Chapter 1 July 18th, 1867 It was a dark and stormy night in Chickaluke, Georgia. There was a barn just off Gordon Street and the rain was pounding the roof so hard it sounded like popcorn being popped in one of one of your grandma's killets. A flash of lightning showed the silhouettes of two lovers in a post-coital embrace. Shoo! Annabelle, I tell you what, that right there was just about the best loving I've ever had. Annabelle breathed out a sigh of relief, along with the smoke from the cigarette she'd been puffing. A cigarette that was attached to one of those big long things that uh, Cruella DeVille... Uh, you know what Cruella DeVille put the cigarettes in. They wouldn't have... They didn't know who Cruella DeVille was, but they still had those. Oh, William, you flatter me, but we mustn't keep this up much longer. I'm beginning to get fearful that my husband is privy to our goings-ons. Hearing this made William's face flush red, a certain shade of red, one that was usually reserved for the butthole of a baboon. Well, that son of a bitch, he don't know what he's gotten you, Annabelle. I'm the one for you. I can take care of you. We just need to run off together. Run off somewhere that we won't never be found. Annabelle extinguished her hilariously long cigarette and looked at William with sympathetic eyes. Oh, darling, don't you think I've thought of that a million times? He's certainly not the man that I married, but... but... But I did marry him, William. He is my husband. But he beats you, Annabelle. Oh, honey, this is the 1860s. Can you name a husband who doesn't beat his wife? Uh, well, that's a good point. You do got me stumped there, but I, but I wouldn't beat you, Annabelle. You know I never would. No, William. Sweet William, I know you never would, but, but how would you provide... You are but a simple farmhand, and I'm an aristocratic woman who is used to a certain lifestyle. Oh, I know, Miss Annabelle. I'm just, a, like you said, I'm just a simple farmhand. Didn't do much schooling. But for some reason, when I'm with you, well, it just feels like, well, it feels like my brain's bigger, you know? Makes me feel like I could just about do anything. That's what that sweet, stanky love you throw on me makes me feel like, Annabelle. And there's nothing I love more than throwing this sweet, stanky love on you, William. Well, then you make me a promise, you sweaty bitch. William, such language, darling. It's not my fault that we're required to wear such heavy dresses along with petticoats. Nope. Well, you're right. You're right. I'm, I'm sorry. I was just doing the dirty talk from earlier, but I forgot we both done cummed. Annabelle smiled. It's true that William was a moron, but no one looked at her so sweetly. And what is this promise, my darling? You promise me that if I'm ever able to get my hands on a whole shit pot of money, that you'll run away with me. And secondly, you won't get mad at however it is I have to obtain said shit pot of money. Annabelle took William's face in her hands and stroked his very, very stupid mutton chops. I promise, darling, you make me a lot of things. But mad is never one of them. Chapter 2. The Prodigal Son Returns Several days had passed since William and Annabelle's impassioned and stinky lovemaking in the barn. 
The rain had dried up, and Chickalookie was back to being a bright, sunny, and bustling southern town. Post-war reconstruction hadn't been kind on Chickalookie, but based on the disposition of its townspeople in the square, you'd never be able to tell. The women strode the streets twirling their parasols as if they were some Parisian cosmopolitan instead of what many of them actually were. Widows to a man who pooped himself to death after drinking from a creek during the battle. On the corner of the downtown square sat a quaint little building with saloon doors and a silver star atop them. This was the police station wherein we would find Sheriff Augustus Percy Templeton III, or Augie for short. Augie was five foot tall and five foot wide. A perfect circle. A sentient bowling ball doling out justice for the people. Sheriff Augie was sitting behind his desk washing down a homemade peach cobbler with a nip of moonshine when Deputy Dawkins interrupted his daily dose of pleasure. Um, uh, Sheriff, I, I sure hate to do this to you. I r really do. Well, then don't. Turn them two doorknobs you call an ass right back around and let me enjoy my cobbler in peace. Well, well, I sure would love to, uh, Sheriff, but you see, it, it's, it's, uh, it's Mr. Randall Johnson. We've just received word that he was robbed, sir. <sighs> Son of a bitch. Make no mistake, Sheriff Augie did not particularly care for Randall Johnson. But Randall Johnson was a wealthy man. A wealthy man who made frequent and sizable donations to the police force. So regardless of his feelings, Augie was forced to carry water for the man. Even though he'd just as soon dump it over that smug and pompous head of his. Go on about your business, deputy. I'll have to take care of this one myself. Sheriff Augie quickly ate the rest of his peach cobbler and readied himself to make a visit to Randall Johnson's home. <sighs> I don't even have time to lick the plate like I like to. Before he could wipe his face clean, Sheriff Augie heard a voice that he didn't think he would ever hear again. Well, looks like somebody's been into Sister Sheila's shortcake again. <laughs> Sheriff Augie sat there a minute with his mouth wide open. He couldn't believe who he was seeing. Well, stuff my butt with cotton, sew me up, and sell me at the Brooks Brothers. Colonel Cornbread. In the flesh, good sir. And how are you this fine evening? I didn't think I'd see your Yankee face again after the war. Whoa, whoa now, Augie. Now come on, we both know good and well that them's fighting words. Don't let yourself think for one second the fact that I'm temporarily relocated don't mean that I wasn't born and raised here same as you, because I was. You fight for the Yanks, you're a Yank. Now, Sheriff, you hold your tongue now. You know I didn't fight against my people. I fought against a cause, a cause I happen to know for a fact you disagree with. Now, it ain't neither one of our faults that we was on the other side of a invisible line when it all broke out, but that's just how it was. And I was hoping that we were still friends. <sighs> yeah, we are cornbread. We're still friends. I reckon it's jealousy speaking more than anything. But tell me though, what in the hell brings you back home from Pennsylvania Dutch country in the first place? 
Oh, well, it's a rather sad occasion. Uh, you remember my baby sister, Daffodil, don't you? Oh, God, don't tell me that Daffy died. I feel like I would have heard that. No, 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 Daffy. Daffy's fine, uh, physically speaking, that is. It's her chicken, her favorite chicken. Horace? Yes, yes, Horace. Horace had to be laid to rest. Coyotes got to him, and, uh, well, it tore old Daffodil up, and I had to come down and pay my respects. Oh, cornbread. I totally understand, and that's not at all ridiculous. But seeing as how I was in town for the funeral and figured I'd stick around a little while, I was just seeing if maybe you had any detective work for me. You know, I've been doing quite a bit up in Pennsylvania Dutch country, and I'd like to do something aside from catch butter thieves. Well, actually, you showed up just in time. You remember Randall Johnson? Why, of course I do. I hate that bastard, that uppity rich prick. I spit right directly in his face if I ever had the chance. Right twinks the eyeballs. Bad spit, too. That slimy ones. after you eat a lot of sugar. You know the type of spit. Well, he's been robbed. Good. Hope they took everything. Hope they kicked him in his nutsack on the way out of his house, too. Well, the reward is pretty hefty, and if you help me get it done in a couple days' times, hell, I'll split it with you. Well, forget what I was saying. Everybody deserves justice, of course. Let's get to work. I thought that might make you change your tune a little bit. Well, uh, yeah, uh, morals aside, uh, traveling through several states in a wagon to go to a chicken funeral has set me back quite a bit. Chapter 3. Paying a Visit to the Gentry Sheriff Augie and Colonel Cornbread had made their way to the doorstep of Randall Johnson's magnificent plantation. Ooh-wee, Augie, I tell you what, this house is bigger than your hind end after the Brunswick stew-eating contest down at Beatrice Bowers' barbecue. Are you really gonna make jokes at me when you're sitting there holding a possum? Hey, now, you, now, Percy, you don't listen to him now. You a good little possum. Percy here, he helps me do my detective work. He got better detective skills than I do about. Matter of fact, what's that, Percy? Oh, Percy says that there's glass over here on the porch, and there's a hole in that there window. Good job, Percy. Sheriff Augie pounded the golden door knocker three times. Well, I hope you're right. I'd like to make easy work of this so I don't have to spend one more minute than necessary around this son of a bitch. Before the words had fully left Augie's mouth, the door flew open. Well, good evening, Sheriff. I don't know who you were talking about, but they don't sound like a pleasant fella. Uh, hello, Mr. Johnson. It's uh, good, good to see you, as always. It's always good to see you, Mr. Johnson. Well, you boys hurry on and get in. We do have some matters to discuss. As Sheriff Augie and Colonel Cornbread entered, their eyes gave away their astonishment at the palatial estate. Now, don't you worry about nothing, uh, Mr. Johnson. Percy here is a house possum, okay? He ain't gonna be no trouble to you. Uh, so, Mr. Johnson, all it said in the report that something was stolen, it didn't mention what that thing was. Would you care to fill us in a little bit? Well, as you boys well know, I'm a well-to-do hard-working man of industry. 
If Sheriff Augie's eyes could have rolled further back in his head, he would be face to face with his medulla oblongata. Everything I have, I have earned by working very hard to protect the family fortune that my grandfather left behind. Colonel Cornbread was making meticulous notes in his leather-bound book while Percy ate pieces of dried meat out of his pocket. One such treasure that I possess is a ruby, a very old, very expensive ruby. And a few nights back, some foul miscreant broke in here and took my precious ruby from me. Sir, if you don't mind, I'd like to put here in my notes where it was that you kept this particular ruby. Do you see that singular shelf on the wall next to my library, brazen with a ornate gold peacock? Uh, yes, sir, I sure do. Uh, but you mean to tell me that you kept something so valuable just right out in the open like that? Augustus, did you really think it wise to bring this Yankee bastard here to my home only to insult me? Oh, Mr. Johnson, I, he, he didn't mean it that way. It just came out wrong. No, it didn't. Came out exactly like I intended it to. If you've got a ruby of such high value, then why in tarnation would you put it there for everybody in the world to see? Don't make a lick of sense. <sighs> it wasn't in plain sight, you moron. I had it hidden in a book. I had cut a hole in the King James Bible, and there the ruby sat. Well, why would you desecrate the Bible? You got plenty of other books over there. Yes, but those other books, you fool, have value. They're first editions, many I have collected through the years. The Bible has no intrinsic value because every Jack, Dick, and Sally has one. Why do you think it's called the Bible Belt, Augustus? Of course, in your case, it should be called the Bible Suspenders. Just then, the door opened once more and in walked a beautiful southern belle. All the men stood up as they did in the past when a woman entered the room for reasons I don't, well, I don't think anyone truly knows. Pardon the interruption, fellas. I don't believe you, Colonel Cornbread, have had the pleasure of meeting my wife. Uh, no, you're correct. I have not, and what a beautiful lady. Madam, my name is Colonel Cornbread, and yours is? Oh, charmed. A decorated veteran. My name is Mrs. Johnson, but you, of course, can call me Annabelle. Dun, dun, dun! To be continued.